Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to 32 Fans in 32 Days. I'm Alex Chester, and with me, as always, is Wheels Wienicker. Wheels, how's it rolling? I'm doing great. I'm excited to talk about everyone's favorite division. Definitely, you know, the the marquee names. Really, people probably just skip the first six and are fast-forwarding to this one. Because it's the AFC South? It's the AFC South. I hate when people do podcasts and pretend like the listeners don't know who the guests are or like what the thing is oh. until they. No, say I, it. I wasn't pretending. I forgot for a moment. Uh, Akiva, okay. I got to tell you, I just, I just ended my. You know, you know, of course, the AYFFL, the uh, the only fantasy football league of consequence, mm-hmm. just ended our draft. It went so much later than expected. That How I long time did it go? To, three and a half hours. Well, and that's with hours, like unlimited keepers, right? Not unlimited, but we have a lot of keepers. Why did it take so long? Is there a lot of joking? Are you cracking a lot yeah. of a lot of jokes? Well, I'll, t- I'll tell you. I feel like I just came from a wedding slash funeral mm-hmm. slash court appearance. Do you think everyone could be high the last school one? reunion? Is that what it is? Because you did disband this league in May. Your long running th- league. It was threatened. Yeah, the, the, uh, there was the discussion on the board. Bud Selig spoke to Carl Polad. It wasn't threatened. Discuss. You disband the league. No, we put it on hiatus. In May, but fantasy football doesn't usually start until August. So. Well, you demanded people pay on May 1st or something, and they all quit the league. No, no, no. We replaced four people from the league. We replaced four people with okay. four new people. Yeah, it. So it's a third of a, of a new league. It was very dramatic. But yeah, nobody cares. Uh, as I learned from your podcast yesterday, your Seinfeld podcast, nobody cares to hear other people's fantasy football. No, I got, I'd say I got universally positive feedback from that. So you're saying we should talk more about my fantasy football draft that just ended? Not like who got picked, but if there's a funny story, you could tell a funny story. Yeah, but no most one cares of them are, who's on your team. Yeah, but most of them are either self-incriminating or incriminating of uh, other league members. So we, we okay. took multiple we took multiple breaks for the league, and uh, one of the four newbies was very entertained by the the purposes of our breaks. Mm-hmm. Like some of them are religious in purpose. Some of them were uh, okay. Uh, that makes no sense to anyone who's listening. Besides, I'm being as vague as I possibly I know. can. No, yeah. but not one person on earth understands what you're saying besides <laughs> me. Um, you're right. Okay, so you, you were probably right. We shouldn't have gotten into it. But how many people of the twelve actually showed up to the in-person draft? Everybody but one. Okay, fine. But one was late because one was driving in from Boston and he was late because of traffic. Okay. Okay. Nobody definitely cares about to hear about no, this. No, nobody cares. Yeah. Okay, so let's jump right into the AFC South, Kiva. We have some great guests here to talk AFC South today. We will start at the bottom of the division in the 2015 standings. We have Jamal <laughs> Black, who is co-host of the Two-Tone Crew podcast, which is the official podcast of TitansReport.com. Jamal, welcome to the podcast. 
Thank you, gentlemen, with such a wonderful introduction. How can I not be uh, pleased to be here? <laughs> exactly. And then uh, slightly better last year, but I think with, with more hope for this year, I think, but we'll get into that. I am feeling the love. <laughs> I am so feeling the love. So here to discuss the Jacksonville Jaguars is co-host of the Sam and Cole podcast. It is Cole Pepper. Uh, Cole, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. And remind me later, I'll tell you about a couple of bad beats I took in poker because those <laughs> yeah. are almost as interesting as hearing exactly. about people's fantasy football teams. Wait, Cole, Cole so do you, you have uh, both eyes on the Jaguars game right now? I do indeed, yeah. Yeah, uh, TJ Eldon, he's doing well. I feel like Mark Zuckerberg now. You know, I'm, I give you the minimum amount of attention that I can. That's all we're asking. <laughs> I'm watching this game. <laughs> that's, that, and that's the best I can do. All right, and then here for the Houston Texans, we have Yoni Pollock. He's on Twitter at Yoni Pollock, or you can follow him at HouseOfHouston.com, the site that he edits. And then here for the Colts, we have Jake Lewin, as he was last year. Uh, Jake, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. Hopefully uh, things turn out better for you this year than they did last year, obviously. Oh, God. I, I really wouldn't want to listen to last year's podcast to see how wrong I was. <laughs> All right, okay, so Jamal, let's start with you. Let's start with the Titans. I got the Titans at 30 in my preseason power rankings, and I'm just going to start uh, this way. Is Mike Malarkey the dumbest coach in the NFL? Yes, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Not only right, the dumbest on. coach, the worst <laughs> hire at the time of hire in the NFL. Would you rather have Mike Malarkey or to have your team re-up Jeff Fisher and give him an extension? Oh, Mike Malarkey, because I think he's easier to fire. Jeff Fisher is, for some reason, impossible to fire no matter what he does. So, uh, Mike Malarkey. Jeff Fisher's first night on every job, he goes and like he get he goes gets drunk with the owner and takes very compromising pictures. I mean, he keeps the job for twenty years. <laughs> I, 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 maybe that's why he can't win games, is he's more focused on job security than actually winning. But yeah, no, Mike Malarkey, I would say dumbest coach, but I would rather have him than at least Jeff Fisher. So. Not uh, my bottom coach in the NFL. And I would say you probably have them underranked at 30, which is no credit to Mike Malarkey. Uh, he's just um, he's taking an attack with the team that I think raises the floor and lowers the ceiling simultaneously. Can I put out an amazing resume that Malarkey has? Because it's really one of the most incredible coaching resumes I've ever seen to keep getting head coaching jobs. He's a tight ends coach for Tampa and Pittsburgh. He gets named the Pittsburgh uh, coordinator for three years, parlays that into the Bills head coaching job for two years. It's very hard to only, you know, you generally get three years unless your second year is like two and 14, three and 13. He quit. Right. He actually, he's a quitter. I mean, he quit. It's fascinating. Then he gets, so he gets the OC job for the Dolphins in 06, somehow gets demoted to the tight ends coach in 07. Becomes the offensive coordinator of the Falcons for a few years, where he lands the Jaguars job, where again he lasts one year. In 2013, he's out of the league. 2014, he gets hired as a tight ends coach. In 2015, he gets, a, he gets promoted to assistant head coach and tight ends coach. And, uh, and then he gets a head coaching job again in the middle of the year, and now he, he's kept it. So you know, there's a guy who, like, when he gets fired this year... You know, unless unless Mariota really just you know takes off and 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 saves uh, him his job, like he's going to be out of the league again. This it's insane. Like you could have gotten this guy for like seventy five grand to be like a, an assistant. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're paying Ken Wisenhunt so much actually right. to not coach that it, it was a joke among Titans fans that they hired Mike Belarkey because he was cheap, and actually he then hired a bunch of people out of retirement to coach the team. Like it's, it's never, an old never a good sign. It's really, honestly, we don't talk about it a lot on this podcast, but it's a good point. Like you can look at 
who your coach hires as their assistants is very telling on like what kind of you know especially a first time coach or certainly a second or third time head coach like because a lot of times you have friends that you have to take care of but like who they hire I had never heard of so it's interesting you're saying that uh, he's hiring guys out of the league who who are your coordinators. I couldn't even tell you by name anymore. I, I mean, it's Dick LeBeau as the defensive coordinator. The mm-hmm. offensive coordinator, uh, he was a wide receiver coach or something for Atlanta. I don't even remember. I mean, I, I saw him put together his staff, and I instantly forgot it on purpose just to save my sanity. I actually, when he was hired, I said I was going to take a year off from being a Titans fan, and I was a free agent. And unfortunately, self-control is not one of my strong traits. So I gave up on it after a couple of months. But it doesn't mean that, like... I think any hire of the team or his staff or anything else. It's a bad time for me. I'm in a dark place. <laughs> Can I ask you, is, is it bad for, for Marcus Mariota's development that they're wasting the first two years of his career on coaches that they're almost certainly going to fire? It depends. There, there are two trains of thought on this, and I tend to think that it's not ideal. I would rather that you hire a coach, I mean, first of all, somebody who is going to stick around or has a higher likelihood to stick around, but second of all, someone who is going to try and tailor the offense more to him than Mike Malarkey will. Instead, what Mike Malarkey is going to do is he's going to put him into one of the most traditional pro-set heavy offenses there is. And and it, what it's going to do is force Marcus Mariota to learn to play from under center. And so in theory, it's fast forwarding his ability to truly play from pocket the way a quarterback needs to. But what it is potentially doing is... Um, I don't know if confidence matters to you and your evaluation. It matters to me, but it's it's not tailoring the offense to his strengths. And so I think it will um, be a detriment to him in terms of what he can do and lead the team. Yeah, but the offensive coordinator is Terry Robisky, right, a receivers coach. He's probably best known for being the uh, the Redskins interim coach in 2000. But except for one year, 14 of the last 15 years, he's been a wide receivers coach. So not, a, not really a hot name in the coaching industry. He's 61 years old. He's probably the youngest, youngest meaningful coach on the team as well. <laughs> I, could f- I could feel the fever, Titans fever. Let me ask you a question about Mariota. So last year, he was very good on short and medium balls. Yeah. On deep balls, he was the worst quarterback in the NFL. His adjusted completion percentage was 20. The next worst in the league was Ryan Fitzpatrick at 31. I think he's more of the uh, air core yell offense, you know, what used to be the West Coast offense before the West Coast offense uh, became something else. So, it, yeah, I think it's going to be a lot of run and then hit him with the deep ball a little bit. And supposedly Marcus worked on it. But, you know, it's not it's not his strength. I would much rather see them go four or five wide receiver frequently, spread the field and allow him to pick teams apart short and intermediate because I think he excels at it. Uh, deep ball, I don't think it was just like a statistical anomaly at all. He, he's actually, that's, that's a true concern for his game. And so he's either going to improve at it or people are going to change their opinion on uh, his future as a quarterback in the NFL. Why did the team give up on Doral Green Beckham so quickly? Uh, a couple of reasons. I would say the obvious one is that, um, la- so it's interesting. After the statistically decent rookie year he had, especially considering he was out of competitive football, um, games-wise, at least for a year, um, immediately what Mike Malarkey said is like his focus and his dedication is not where it needs to be. And all they've done ever since then is basically um, say he's not cutting it on that stuff, and it's about inconsistency. And, and I think that they had their rookie wide receiver, Tajay Sharp, step up. DGB just did not get consistent. And, and I guess you have to question whether or not it's truly 
um, dedication or if just an inca- inability to truly learn the playbook. Um, but I think they're also sending a message and trying to transform the locker room. I think it can be overstated, and it often is in, in media, but the Titans, you just get a sense from their locker room that it almost they don't care. And to the extent that professional people who are going to make money by doing well um, could not care, I think the Titans don't. Like there, there's a, there was a level of acceptance of mediocrity, um, and, and I think that they're trying to go away from that. And ultimately, I think he might have been truly a cut this year because he's just not fitting what they want. They, I think they want, they at least recognize with Marcus Mariota, um, your number one asset as a wide receiver is to be where you need to be at the time you're supposed to be there because he's an extremely accurate quarterback. And DGB, like last year, there were multiple times we're throwing interceptions because he's just admitted after the game he didn't run the right route. So I, I don't know, There's a, there's a mix of, not really doing what they want, but also I think locker room mentality. I think they're really trying to weed out players. All right, let's uh, move over to the defensive side of the ball for a second. It's a weird defense because it's a rebuilding team, but I also see a lot of the Brian Arakbos, mm-hmm. veteran players. Uh, you know, Denaris Searcy. Uh, you know, players who aren't aren't typically part of like a true rebuilding process with a second year quarterback. Well, I think if you if you truly follow the NFL, you know about Jarrell Casey. He I think he's underrated in NFL circles because he plays on a team that's won five games in the last two years um, and wasn't good before that. Um, I think that their defensive line is going to be a strength of the team. I think that their the concern is depth and the secondary. Fortunately, Dick LeBeau has a scheme that de-emphasizes the secondary, but I don't even know if it's going to de-emphasize it enough for the Titans to be successful. They, they're, they're not as bad of a defense as their record or especially their offense, but I just don't know if it can carry a team that goes as run-heavy as they're, as they're going to. I, I think their strength is going to be defensive line. Jarrell Casey is an underappreciated star. There's no question about that. He's you know at least a Pro Bowl-level player, if not better. The only other guy on their defense who got an above-average grade last year was Denora Searcy. At cornerback, they have nobody. And you said, like, well, they're mm-hmm. trying to de-emphasize the secondary. How do you do that when you're going up against Blake Bortles and those receivers in Jacksonville? You're going up against Andrew Luck. You know, how do you just say, oh, or DeAndre Hopkins? You can't just de-emphasize the secondary. you got to cover those guys down the field. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, you scheme pressure. That's just a Dick LeBeau generic thing. Is His scheme doesn't emphasize the secondary as much. But I don't think you can de-emphasize it enough for the talent that they have in their secondary. And I think especially once you get past McCourty and Cox at cornerback, you, you've got guys who don't belong on an NFL team. And I think that that's going to be a major problem for them this year. <laughs> okay, so let's try and find uh, some more players who do belong on an NFL team. And let's, <laughs> Good uh, luck. <laughs> let's, let's scoot south a little bit to Jacksonville. Cole, the skill position, obviously, this is a very good team. Weaker at offensive line and defense but you just added a whole bunch of talent this year, uh, both free agents and also you get essentially three first-round type uh, defensive players. So my opening question, though, is about Blake Bortles. His fantasy stats were amazing, of course, but he actually he had a negative pro football focus ranking last year. Now, it got better over the course of the season, but it was still, I think, for the overall, he was like 19th or 20th among starting quarterbacks. So do you think it's a little bit that a lot of those fantasy stats were padded? He's got great receivers. You know, there's a lot of garbage time. Or, or do you think that he actually has a potential to become a Pro Bowl type quarterback? No, I think he does have that potential. The thing that really hurt him last year when you start talking about grades that are based on stats and that sort of thing, he threw a, a bunch of interceptions and he threw a bunch of pick sixes, right? And so that that really hurts him. I said going into last year, 
coming out off of his rookie season, what I wanted to see Blake Bortles do is throw more touchdown passes and get better on third down, get better in the red zone, get better in late game situations. Uh, I didn't really care about the, the interceptions. Now, obviously, you don't want pick sixes all over the place, but this is the year he's got to limit. You know, he may not have 35 touchdown passes this year. He's got to eliminate the interceptions. He's got to make the plays. He's got to be more decisive in the red zone. And in the first two preseason games, he certainly has been. Now, as we're taping this, they've just gone to halftime, and the Jaguars are getting steamrolled by by the Cincinnati <laughs> Bengals. But, so again, it's the preseason. You shouldn't get too high or too low over it in any regard, even if it's the third and most important preseason game. I think Bortles has the opportunity to be the best quarterback in Jaguars history. Now, that's not a super high bar. You know, that's Mark Brunel. You're just saying he's better than Brunel. Yeah, yeah. it's not. It's This is not like becoming the best quarterback in Colts history or something like that. But if he if he becomes that this year, next year, uh, then this can be a competitive team. It is so much about the quarterback in this day and age that if you don't have him, it's almost impossible to win. And if you do, it's really hard to lose consistently. Who's the starting running back, Chris Ivory? Uh, you know, it doesn't matter because both of those, it's going to be hot hand. Whoever's going to be the hot hand. Now, I'll tell you something that I expect for the opener against Green Bay. On a hot day in Jacksonville with guys from Wisconsin coming down, I expect you'll see T.J. Yeldon get a lot of the carries early, and then mid to late third quarter you'll start to see more and more of Chris Ivory because he's a different kind of runner. He really brings the thud. And so I think you'll see Chris Ivory used uh, in, you know, more as the game goes on, and I think you'll see Yeldon typically, particularly in hot games or against, you know, if they're going to kind of uh, you know, be in close games, You'll see Yeldon probably earlier on. But whoever has the hot hand is going to get more carries, whether it's the first guy who you know who walks out there on the first offensive snap or the guy who comes in on the next series or the third series, whatever it is. I, I think by the end of the year, you're, barring injury, you're probably going to see those two guys within 20, 25, 30 carries one side or another. Uh, I don't, neither one of these guys is the, you know, the Adrian Peterson. They're both potentially good running backs. Ivory's more proven than Yeldon, um, but I think they'll both get used a lot. Yeah, I mean, if you saw last year, Ivory really, the first month of the season, Ivory was basically one of the five best players in football. Mm -hmm. And uh, the Jets ran him to the ground where, you know, he had consecutive weeks where he went 15 carries for 17 yards, 23 carries for 26 yards. Just that was against you guys. Just insanely bad numbers because uh, they didn't really have a backup. So using Ivory for like 10 carries a game, you know, he'll I think he'll really be a, a fantastic weapon for you guys. Well, whether it's 10 carries or whether it's 20 or what, you know, when you have two guys who are starting level runners in the NFL, unless you have that stud guy, I think you have to go with a hot hand theory and just go whoever, whoever fit that situation. You know, uh, in the past, the Jaguars had Toby Gerhardt. Right, but you guys didn't. The thing you guys didn't really commit to the run last year. But just uh, as an aside, Ivory literally can't catch. Like, not not that he's not a good receiver. He cannot catch yeah, and, from the ball. And Yeldon's he good out of the backfield. Yeah, and Yeldon's good out of the backfield. Um, and so, when in those situations, you'll see you'll see a little bit more of that. Interesting. Yeah, the, the only like the, I mean, you guys were one of the like past heaviest teams ever last year, especially in second halves of games. So it'll be interesting to see how much Gus commits to throwing the ball. Uh, you know, some people listen for fantasy. Is there any reason to think that Alan Hearns can sort of, you know, I think everyone knows Allison Robinson's a stud. Is there any reason to think that Alan Hearns can you know, in any way replicate what he did last year? Yeah, I think he can. Um, I think the big question mark there is, is Marquise Lee going to stay healthy? And if he does, is he going to take away some options, you know, some opportunities for Hearns? The Jaguars once had a great 
duo of wide receivers when they had Jimmy Smith and Keenan McCardell. And Jimmy Smith was the deep guy who could, who could make the big play, and McCardell was the, the worker, right? He was the, the blue-collar guy, ran great routes, made all the tough catches in traffic. And that's what Hearns is, uh, uh, at least in a modern era. He's, he's not he's a little different style overall. But by and large, he's the, he, he makes the tough catches. And Blake Bortles has a lot of confidence in Alan Hearns. I don't think he's going to get 10 touchdowns, but uh, I think he can be a guy who can be that you know, 60-catch, 1,000-yard guy uh, again for them this year. Okay, but can I jump in with the hot take here? So yeah, go, I, yeah. I'm going to argue, sure, sure. <laughs> not yeah. as a Jaguars fan, obviously, that first of all, obviously, Alan Hearns is not going to repeat what he did last year because he got double-digit touchdowns. But you just skipped right over Alan Robinson. Alan Robinson is a sell in, in every single fantasy football league. I sent a chart in my league a couple of weeks ago. If you take every single player in NFL history who caught 14 touchdown passes in a season, and then you look at what they did the next season, on average, they drop by over seven touchdowns, which means Alan Hearns' 14 would likely be seven. But hold on, it gets worse. Because if you remove four of the five greatest receivers of all time who did it year after year, and affect, like Jerry Rice went from 15 to 22 one year, so he went up seven. If you take out Jerry Rice... Yeah, of course. Take Ma- out Marvin all the stats Harrison, that don't prove no, your point. Yeah, no, keep no, going. No, you take out... <laughs> okay, is Alan Robinson one of the five greatest receivers in NFL history? No. no. So you, 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 exactly. You take out Randy Moss, Jerry Rice, Marvin Harrison, and then you, that, now every guy drops by over nine touchdowns a season. But he might be one of the five best receivers in the game right no, now. No, I'm not saying it right now. I'm saying in history. Though I just took out, I took out the five yeah. guys in history. If you look at Mike Evans on Tampa Bay, him and Allen Robinson had the same number of targets and receptions last year. The difference is that Mike Evans had three touchdowns and Allen Robinson had 14. So if you haven't drafted yet in fantasy, don't be paying for touchdowns, which do not tend to correlate year over year. All right, so who's the guy? We don't normally talk so much fantasy, but who's the guy, now that you already had your draft, Alex, who caught two or three touchdowns last year who might catch 10 this year well if i knew that i'd be the big genius obviously okay. wouldn't i all right let's move over to i'll say jordan Nelson, but that cheats okay course. fine moving over to defense you know obviously gus bradley made his bones defensively but the jaguars who have been decent offensively have been an abomination under gus right yeah they, they made a lot of moves obviously personnel wise uh, draft free agency uh they brought in malik jackson from denver uh they brought in Tayshawn Gibson to be, you know, a true center field free safety that they haven't had here uh, in quite a while. Um, they draft Jalen Ramsey. They draft Miles Jack. They they signed Prince of Ukamara as a free agent. Uh, they brought in guys. Uh, I, I think that there is enough with this group that they need to be a, not a top 10, but a middle of the pack defense in the NFL. The biggest question I have for them is pass rush because... Dante Fowler Jr. missed his entire rookie year after an injury 30 minutes into his first practice. Uh, He has had moments where he has looked impressive in preseason this year. But rookie and first-year pass rushers typically don't make a huge impact. You have a Javon Curse, something like that every now and again. Usually it's a a, a trade you have to develop over time. So with, with the two big pass rushers on the edge that they're really relying on are Dante Fowler Jr. and Unique Ngakwe, who was a draft pick out of Maryland. So you've got two guys who have never had a sack in the regular season in the NFL who you're most relying on to come off the edge. There's potential there, but I think to expect too much would be out of line. If Miles Jack does anything and stays healthy, you know, he'd be a a huge find there as a second-round pick. And and Ramsey's look good when given the chance here in the preseason uh, at cornerback. I think think they have the personnel to be the 14th or 15th or 16th ranked defense in the league. That would be an improvement, and that should get them to seven, eight, nine wins. Yeah, I like, I like most of the moves they made on defense. You know, as you said, they had, I think their pass rush was the worst in the league last year. But 
hopefully it won't get it won't be any worse even if Dante Fowler takes a little time to develop obviously if Malik Jackson with some pressure up the middle as well talked about Gibson who is an upgrade I think over John and Cyprian is Miles Jack healthy like I just don't understand I thought he might be a top five pick in the draft and then you end up getting him all the way down in the second round so what is the state of his health well, so far, I mean, they, they, they were treating with kid gloves a little bit in the offseason, but he's played in the preseason, usually with the second team against the Bengals in their third preseason game. Um, he, he worked with a little with some of the first team defense against the Bengals predominantly second team offense. So he's not going to be starting right away and play 16 games. He's in the starting line. That's the whole thing. Um, but he's one of those guys who just his his raw physical ability um, if as an X factor on this team, um, you know, he's one of those guys who could make two or three or four huge plays in the year that could impact, you know, be the difference between a win and a loss. Yeah. Let's talk about a even better defense. Akiva, can we jump to Houston for a minute? Uh, of course we could jump to them for, for like four to five minutes. <laughs> All right. So yeah, let's bring in Yoni Pollock now. Our uh, te- our Texans fan was Yoni our Texans fan on the 2015 version of this. Yeah, he was. Oh, great! Uh, what did he say the Texans were going to do? Do you remember off the top of your head? <laughs> Last year, Yoni said they would go ten and six. Okay, and they went nine and seven, <laughs> but they won the division, so he wasn't too far off. All right, Yoni, thanks for joining us. I've read a lot of glowing quotes about Brock uh, Brock Osweiler the last couple days that he's such a great leader and people love him and and. You know he's gonna cure cancer and stuff like that. What, give me, uh, give me the lowdown on what on what's going on with the quarterback situation there. Uh, so I think it just really all depends on on. I can see why outsiders kind of laugh at it and Texans fans kind of. Uh, maybe calling him the next Messiah. I mean, it's all relative to what we've seen the last two years in Houston at the quarterback position, all the way from, from Hoyer and Mallett to Yates and Keenum and, and BJ Daniels even for a little. And I mean, all the craptastic quarterbacks we could put our hands on. I think you made up BJ Daniels because I've never heard. Of <laughs> <laughs> Not, they, they, uh, they signed him off the, like the Seahawks practice. The Saskatchewan year, Seahawks. He was the Wildcat guy. The end of Matt Schaub also was not pretty. Right. The end of Matt Schaub. So, I mean, we finally get a guy who, I mean, granted, I, I did watch some of Osweiler from from Denver last year, and, and it wasn't it wasn't amazing, but there's there's some sort of upside that that I guess we all hope to see, um, and I think you know maybe we've we've started seeing already in this preseason that uh, he could potentially lead uh, the Texans to maybe I mean another division title I guess this year. Um, but I think a lot of it has to do not only with Osweiler, but the whole offense in general. The Texans added a lot of speed, and I know I'm moving around here a little here, but they added a ton of speed to the offense this year. And, it, and, and through three preseason games, again, you can't take so much out of three preseason games. Forget about, I mean, they didn't even play the ones all the time. But uh, it, just, it just looks different than it does last year. So uh, all the talk of Osweiler potentially, you know, bringing home another division crown Maybe we should slow, you know, pump the brakes on it a bit, but uh, it looks promising so far. I mean, Osweiler realistically could have won a Super Bowl last year had he been playing. I mean, he was better than the guy who won the Super Bowl. I agree. Realistically, big picture, you have a team that's gone nine and seven with no quarterback, basically. You know, that, that's been play, in playoff contention with maybe, you know, the, the 31st or 32nd best QB situation in the league. What's the ceiling if Osweiler is a slightly above average QB in the NFL this year? The ceiling's probably that that 12 number. Uh, I mean, looking through the schedule, I mean, you get New England without Brady, which helps, but you're also playing a first-place schedule because you won the division last year. But a lot of it will have to do with, 
obviously, I mean, if, if Osweiler's a slightly above average quarterback, your offense is probably, I mean, Lamar Miller, the addition of Lamar Miller will add a ton of, I mean, that home run speed and Will Fuller and Braxton Miller, just, just the offense is going to look a lot different than uh, many of us are used to, but defensively, it's all going to come down to JJ Watt, whether or not he's healthy coming into the season. Um, it looks like it's it's possible he plays week one, but is he going to be the dominant Watt or is he going to, I mean, even, even if Watt is, is 60% of himself, you got a pretty good defensive player, but uh, he, he does so much for that pass rush. Um, obviously, Jadavian and Clowney, there's, there's a lot of high hopes, which will be interesting to see this year. This could be his breakout season, but it's still going to all come down to Watt and his health. I mean, in flashes last year, Clowney was really good, right? Oh, he was. I mean, uh, they, I mean, if you've watched any of the games, uh, he's a, he's an all world, almost run defender. The pass rush still hasn't come yet. And obviously you don't take a first overall pick just to be a run defender, but uh, through through you know three preseason games, you've you've seen some of the highlight reel, you know him knocking down offensive linemen and and uh, so there there's there's what to see there. It's just a matter of him playing 16 games like that. We we talked about oh what an upgrade they're going to have at quarterback <laughs> Brian Hoyer. Obviously in that playoff game he was Andy Dalton in the playoff game esque, but in the regular season he wasn't above average quarterback. So they had decent performance from their quarterback last year, and they were still only a nine and seven team. Right. I mean. <laughs> I mean, a lot of it, I mean, Hoyer played, I don't even remember how many games, not a whole season, but he was what we wanted him to be, I guess, and his upside was at most a pretty solid game manager, and that sufficed when our when our defense in the second half of the season was actually playing really well. In the first half of the season, you weren't winning any games with Hoyer playing that type of football. So, I mean, from, from Osweiler, you're going to need more. Probably, I mean, if you if you even get close to that twelve win number, you're going to need more than than solid game managing. Um, but it's possible. I mean, we don't we don't. I mean, Bill O'Brien is this quote unquote QB guru, and obviously we haven't seen what he's able to do with any any good talent yet. I mean, what he did, it, it's sort of impressive that he's able to put you know eight quarterbacks over the last two seasons and and pull out you know a winning season, but. Now he's got Osweiler. Now he's got this young guy that he sort of handpicked. Um, so you hope that the QB Gore could work some magic. Which wide receiver or tight end will catch the second most passes on the Texans this season? Uh, I promise you it won't be a tight end. We don't we don't do tight ends in Houston. But uh, I'm gonna go with Ooh. with Braxton Miller. Um, not not because Will Fuller won't have. I, I think Will Fuller will have a you know a fine season, fine rookie season. But but Braxton Miller. They've been using him a lot early in this preseason, and he figures to be the slot guy and the guy they're going to go to on, you know, third and seven slants and and screens. Are and you that. writing off Jalen Strong? Uh, I, so I happen to be a big fan of Jalen Strong. The problem, I mean, not the problem. Uh, he's probably your number four. And uh, actually, this is uh, something I tweeted earlier today. This is the definitely by far, and obviously Texan franchise history isn't that long, but by far the most talented wide receiver corpse we've ever had. Mm-hmm. Strong is, was a second rounder last year. So, uh, I mean, they like him in this in this game against the uh, in the third preseason game against the Cardinals. You know, he, he looked good. But uh, Will Fuller adds another element to the offense, his, his over-the-top speed. Um, so that's that's a perfect compliment to DeAndre Hopkins and then Miller in the slot. So so strong figures to get some time in the in the four spot and Cecil Shorts will you know if he makes the team will be in number five. But but Strong's a good player. You know a lot of teams would be happy to have him. Uh, other than having the best player at the NFL, arguably uh, at defensive end and a you know super elite wide receiver, I think and correct me if I'm wrong, which is eighty percent chance I'm wrong. The strength of the team is really the cornerbacks are pretty solid. 
uh, we'll call them the Triple J's, right? Jonathan Joseph, Kevin Johnson, Kareem Jackson. Yeah, uh, the, uh, I mean, similar to what I said with the receivers, the corners are also, I mean, the best we've we've had in franchise history. Joseph actually looked like uh, prior to last season looked like he was he was taking that that age a little, you know, he was he was starting to fall there. But uh, last year he had a great season. Kareem Jackson's a good corner, and and Kevin Johnson they spent a first rounder on him last year. He's shown some some nice you know ball hawking skills and whatnot. So and they I mean they 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 like all their five corners with AJ Boy and Charles James, the the hard knock star, obviously. Mm-hmm. But they they really like those five. Uh, they've never really, you know, at strong safety, they've gone with Quentin Demps and Eddie Pleasant. They've been rotating a lot. KJ Dillon, the rookie, but um, Andre Hall at, at free safety is actually probably the name to watch this year. He led the team last year, I believe, in picks, but uh, he's had a great preseason, and and you know, we could we could see him maybe putting his name on the map this year. Uh, Chester, let's play a quick game. How old is Brian Cushing? Yeah, so I was going to talk about him next. I'm going to say he's only 28. He's 29, but if you had told me he's 35, I would have believed you. Yeah. What were you going to say about him? Well, yeah, that's what I want to ask you about, Yoni. We talked about the secondary a little bit. We talked about the defensive line. Obviously, it's about J.J. Watt's health and Clowney taking the next step. But at linebacker— What about Vincent Wilfork's overalls? <laughs> yeah, they're always a winner. But at linebacker, you have sort of like two opposite guys. You have Whitney Marcellus, who I think is quietly one of the best linebackers in the league. And you have Brian Cushing, who's very loudly— Sucks, you know. I mean, he, he, uh, he, you know, he really ha- he's failed ever since he came back from that injury. He's never been the same player. He's now part of it. Obviously, he just seemed loud last year because they were in hard knocks. But Cushing seems like he's really lost a step. He doesn't seem like he's really deserves to be starting. Yeah, I mean, it, it's totally fair. Uh, every, I feel like for the last three preseasons, we've all you know, Cushing. Cushing looks great. Cushing feels 100 percent this and that and and then the season comes and he's a step too slow and he's missing this tackle um but again this preseason i mean i mean we're hearing the same thing you know he, he feels he feels great and he's he's looked pretty quick in the preseason i'm not getting my hopes up because i've been through this drill before but uh if if merciless and cloudy could i mean hold down the edges i guess um they like what they have in in bernard Jerk mckinney their second rounder last year. You know, how much does Cushing actually play this year? They, they like switching up their defense to a dime and this and that. I don't know, but but I'm, I'm curious to see how Cushing looks week one in, in real NFL uh, game time. Okay, so let's turn from a team which is good everywhere but quarterback to a team which is bad everywhere but quarterback. And that's, of course, the Indianapolis Colts. So, Jake... Let's start at Andrew Luck, obviously. You know, you just take for granted that you have a great quarterback, and the question is everywhere else. But in the games he played last year, so I'm not even talking about the injury. In the games he played last year, pro football focuses quarterback grade for Andrew Luck was 35th out of the 36 quarterbacks that qualified last year. So they think that he Only really struggled Only better than last- Bridgewater? <laughs> so he really struggled last year. He especially struggled under pressure. So it seems like you got a question at quarterback. And then and then also forgetting about the fact that if he gets injured, you don't even have Matt Hasselbeck to back him up this year. So your backup quarterback is even a bigger hole. So let's start at the quarterback and tell us what's happening there. Well, I think the fact that they gave him a huge contract in the offseason, they're pretty much just ignoring last year. Um, and you're looking at the body of work from you know, his first three years, really, in the NFL – and just knowing that there are so many other question marks, his health, the offensive line, you know, some bad free agent signings. Um, and I think at that point, the the franchise really is just punting last season. So at least internally, that's that's the way it's going. And so far, I mean, listen, preseason is preseason. You know, it is what it is. He's looked pretty good so far. And the game against the Ravens, he played very nicely. And even against the uh, the Eagles, though they lost Jack Muhor during the game and he's going to be out for about four weeks probably. Still, you know, I think he's just they they're trying to give him 
the ability to do what he does in as much time as he can get. At least they tried to shore up the left side of the offensive line. The right side is a question. But that notwithstanding, I think you know the team wants him to succeed. They're allowing him to succeed, and I think he's confident enough to just forget about last year and move forward. It's weird to say that as a fan and as you know someone who actually would say any other player, any other team, I'd probably say, oh, he sucks, just forget about him. But it's hard to look past his entire career, college included, and just assume he's going to suck like he did last season. How shocked are you that uh, Chuck Pagano and Ryan Grigson are both still in play? Uh, what a, uh, it's unreal. It's really beyond understanding because it was so messy and neither one of them Grigson's an idiot and should have been fired already. You remember when we found the conversation during last year's podcast about you <laughs> defending the us. Yeah. The, the, you defending the Trent Richardson trade? Oh, what a, what oh, a yeah, no, it's really bad. <laughs> he, that, that, that might be w- one of the worst trades ever. Ever. But thing is that what do the Browns do with that pick? I mean, of those three people, they who do they who do they select with that pick? I don't know, but that's got nothing to do with the quality of the trade. No, I know, I know, I know. I'm <laughs> just saying, like, it's not like the Browns made out any better. Um, yeah. The quality of the trade was terrible. The Cleveland got the pick, traded it to the Eagles, and the Eagles took Marcus Smith. All right, it's too many steps removed to start judging whether it makes it a good trade or not. <laughs> right. The point is, it was a crappy trade, and and it's embarrassing that I actually defended it. Yeah. Akiva, do you have any questions about this offense? No. I have no questions about the offense. (laughs) Akiva, Frank Gore played the third most snaps. Excuse me. Well, yeah, or Jake, or both of you. Everything about this team is weird and I hate. They played the third most. He played the third most snaps of any running back in the NFL last year. He's never injured. Is that crazy? He's never injured. How many games does he play this year? Can we put the over-under at eight? Who cares? He'll play sixteen. He'll just be he's bad in fifteen. Of yeah, them. he'll he'll play most games. I think he's never health hurt. Isn't, health isn't the issue. It's whether he has a hole to run through. Yeah. All right. So tell us about the offensive line then. So um, I think the left side is, as I said before, is already pretty set. Muhort being injured, um, there was the the belief that it was going to be a torn ACL. Um, ended up. You know, I think it's at this point just a sprain. He's going to be out probably four weeks. I mean, he's good. He actually is a pretty good offensive lineman. Um, he plays guard. You have Costanzo and left tackle, and he's completely fine. I mean, he's you know he is what he is. Um, I think there's a lot of lot worse left tackles out there. He's relatively always healthy. Problem is on the right side. You're dealing with you know Wrights has been in Indianapolis for most of his career. He's you know he's hit or miss, and then the right guard, it's really unclear. They've wanted Hugh Thornton to be the guy. It never worked out. He's been injured on and off. Um, they have Denzel Good, who I think is a second-year player or a rookie. They, they selected him late in the 2015 draft. He's, he, I don't know much about him other than he's just he was depth last year, and now they might be throwing him into the, to the, left, the right guard spot. It's as good as it can be. It's anything better than last year. I'm really excited about Ryan Kelly. That's one thing. You know, they Andrew Luck hasn't had a center since being in the league. They had Satelli and they had AQ Shipley. They haven't had anybody set. And Ryan Kelly is, you know, right out of the gate, regular starter. He's I read from some um, local writer in Indianapolis as a he's been sabinized. That he's very polished. He's very prepared. He's very focused. So. I think that there's it's stepping in the right direction. I don't think it's going to be perfect. He's going to get hit. He's going to hit a lot. But I think it's going to be anything's going to be better than last year. 
All right, let's flip over the defense for a second. The defensive line looks like it's pretty good. The problem is the linebackers are terrible. Oh, God. I mean, that was a terrible miss that they didn't sign Jarrell Freeman. They didn't even get, He was signed by the Bears for a totally reasonable contract, and he was arguably their best linebacker last last season and one of you know the best we, t- we talked with you uh i th- we explained the concept of two, f- two to 53 to you last year i think right where uh you know i said that the colts are terrible outside of luck and, and of course luck was terrible last year too but the you know the the idea of like outside of luck it's the worst roster in the league do you think that still holds true is this still the worst roster in the league like if luck goes down is this a two-win team yeah, but they were they were 500 without him last year so yeah. what are you talking about but this team think sucks they're better than the Browns. <laughs> they're better the Browns. than the Titans. I don't they're think better they're better than the, than the 49ers. They're Do you think they're worse the than the Titans? No, they're not yeah. worse than the Titans. Without luck, they're worse than the Titans. No, wow. they're not worse than the Titans. And they're not take. worse. Than, first of all, San Francisco is the worst team in football. They're, they no. have question marks the yeah, entire that's true. way up and yeah, down. Yeah, yeah. The Niners are terrible. I'll give you that. They're, they're terrible. And it's, it's amazing how terrible they are. I don't know how much you can put into uh, to Matt Hasselbeck's play to, giving, to making them 8-8. Eight and eight arguably the division's better. It's hard to know whether the Jaguars are just almost like the the Eagles of a few years ago where they have this amazing offseason and everyone's excited about them. And then when it comes down to it, your quarterback is still Blake Bortles, who sucked last night and isn't a particularly uh, polished, intelligent quarterback. And I'm skeptical about Brock Osweiler. I mean, that division's terrible. I don't think it's the competition is going to be as more difficult than it was before. I think Indianapolis is in the same place they were, at least competition-wise, in the AFC South. But I doubt if Andrew Luck goes down, they're not going to go 8-8. Eight eight. Scott Tolson, that's their, their backup? I mean, he's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's bring uh, our other guests as well. Let's talk about who's the best in the division. Who is the best head coach in this division, Jamal? We know it's not malarkey. Interesting. Man, I, I to be honest, I almost don't like any of the coaches in the division for various reasons. And I think that's one of the reasons why this is a weak division. I might have to go with Jacksonville. Okay, so you like Bradley. I do, because I think that he... Yeah, see, but I've liked their drafts. I've liked the players they've brought in, and they haven't necessarily improved. Like, I I keep expecting them to be a better team than they are the last couple of years. That's not like a resounding endorsement. No, well, that's what I'm saying. I don't like any of them. (laughs) Cole, what record does Bradley need this year to keep his job? Yeah, that's a good question. I think that uh, six wins would make it would make a really tough, you know, decision for Shad Khan with with Gus Bradley. Seven is probably he's probably safe. It's probably a you know six and a half over under. Um, a lot of it is about you know feeling uh, whether whether they're building in the right direction, and then you'll have to you know you'd have to see sort of how the the season went. If they would have a bunch of injuries. The key guys, and still he was able to hold it together enough to get the six wins. You know, maybe that'd be enough. So four, wait, four, three, five, six. That would, I mean, no other franchise. And you know what's remarkable? It's, I mean, not even Cincinnati's putting. You know. uh, and again, I don't think six would do it. I think it would have to be seven. But what's remarkable is that Shad Khan, as an owner of Fulham, the 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 English soccer team, goes through coaches left and right. But as an NFL owner, he has been ultra patient uh so it's interesting to kind of see that uh uh, comparison but yeah i I would say seven would be the minimum i would say would definitely you definitely keep gus bradley around i think the red rocket gives shot a a call if they're six and ten and says sorry you got to fire gus 
Even seven and nine. I think Goodell's putting nah, his foot you know, in. No I, I, well, first of all, I don't think Roger Goodell's hiring and firing coaches. But secondly, I think, I think seven and nine. The Red Rocket is Andy Dalton. I was confused about that. No, it's Roger Goodell now. Sorry. Because of what has happened here in Jacksonville in the past, the fan base would be disappointed that it wasn't better, but they would feel like there was something positive happened. Now, I will say right now, as we sit here in the preseason, the fan base thinks this is a, a team that, that's going to win the division. So, All right, Cole, do you agree that Bradley's the best coach in the division, though, or do you prefer? I don't think this is a good group uh, uh, of, of head it's not a, It's not an established group of head coaches. Man, no love for Pagano's made the playoff three times. No, I, and I think, I think that would be my default choice. Would be would be Pagano. It's hard to say that if you've seen the decisions on the field he's made the last couple of years. You, I agree, but look at the you know wins and losses. Yoni, what about you? Who do you think it is? I don't love any of them. Um, you know, if I want to stick up for my O'Brien, like I'm pretty indifferent on O'Brien. Like there there are times he's frustrating, but then you know he what what he did. You know, getting those quarterbacks ready last year was pretty impressive. Uh, Pagano, I'm not. I, I, like like you said, like I've, I've seen what he does with that team, and I'm just like like how like what's what's he doing over there, and then and then Jacksonville and Tennessee with Malarkey and Bradley, there, there's nothing really there for me. So I mean, I guess I'd just go O'Brien. He's the, he's the defending champ in the division. But okay, Jake, tell us who's the best coach in this division. Like who would I want to be coaching my team? You could say none. That's a choice in this none division. Of, They're all pretty crappy. None of them are particularly exciting. I mean, yeah, none of them are particularly exciting. Akiva, much like I did for the NFC East and uh, like our guests here, I said none for this division. What, what do you say? No, I think it's Pagano. I think you're being too hard on Pagano. Is he an amazing coach? <laughs> I don't know how he has his job. That's crazy. Pagano? Yeah. He's 18 games over over 500. Oh, that freaking... The best thing he did was get sick. First of all, yeah, Bruce, oh, are you counting Bruce Arian season? He's 24. Gus Bradley's 24 games under 500. Oh, I didn't say it's Bradley. I think it's none. I know, but it's got to be somebody. I mean, Bill O'Brien's fine. He's literally, I think, the definition of like the replacement level coach. Like you could, you could definitely do. Well, worse let's than let's Bill see what he does with Brock Osweiler this year, and then we can conclude because he's supposed to be a quarterback guru, which is easy to say when you have Tom Brady. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of Tom Brady, Andrew Luck is the best quarterback in this division. Nobody's going to debate that, right? No. Okay. No. <laughs> uh, who has the best offense overall? Is it Indy? Is it Jacksonville? I think when Andrew Luck is healthy, it's Andrew. It's if it's if Andrew Luck is healthy and is Andrew Luck, I think you have to lean there. I, I think though, I don't think it's a huge gap. I think Jacksonville is pretty close as far as that's concerned, especially if they can get the left side of the offensive line figured out. All right, and then a clean sweep. Houston has the best defense. Obviously, we don't even need to debate that. Correct. <laughs> yes. Correct. All right. Jake, tell me everything you know about Quan Bray. Wide receiver. Yep. He's going to get cut, most likely. Okay. Uh, um, I think they drafted him in this, this draft, but late in the draft. Am I right? Listen, you're the Colts fan. I'm the Colts hater. <laughs> I don't have a computer. I don't have a the internet in front of me. Listen, to, I got the I, I got the whole I got 32 rosters in my head, buddy. Not really. That's true. He's undrafted. That I know. He's undrafted. 2015. I mean, he's probably going to get cut. They have enough wide receivers there. He's ESPN. By the way, they did a thing today uh, where they had all their beat writers predict the 53 man roster, which is actually like a really useful thing for this podcast and just like a smart thing they're doing this summer in general. The Jets beat writer has been doing this for decades. 
Rich Samini. Yeah. One thing, the headline is Colts 53-man roster projection includes way too many injured players. <laughs> That's the headline <laughs> of like the positive like hometown spin. It's um, actually a, it's their actually running not, back not group. I, I don't. Is this from today? Didn't they, they cut? To, Rid, didn't they cut Ridley? They signed him. Oh, they signed. Oh my God! Their running back group is Frank Gore, Robert Turbin, and Stephen Ridley, which is Wait, like and, and the average and, age of seventy years. And Jordan Todman. Well, he doesn't have Todman making the team, but he does have Quan Bray. Quan Bray, according to this guy, is the fourth receiver on the roster. Ahead of well, there's ahead of Rodgers and Smith after Dorsett and obviously Hilton and Moncrief. So maybe they'll keep him. I mean, I I, I feel like they're keeping ten O linemen. When you have ten O linemen, you have like no O linemen. Yeah, it's it's a it's a problem. (laughs) Ten linebackers. There's got to be a position they're not keeping anybody. Holy cow! Um, They have way too many defensive backs. I mean, Cromartie can't play anymore. I'll let me assure you of that. Oh yeah, yeah. My my he Jets. D U N. I asked. I asked my a, f- a friend of mine who's a Jets fan. Can Cromartie still run anymore? His response was only from alimony. No, but Cromartie <laughs> like Cromartie is probably fast. He just could never tackle, and now that he's like lost those step, he literally can't tackle. Oh, and his other remark was, "There's going to be a flag on every play." Yeah, well, if yeah, he'll right now he compensates by holding you the entire play. Yes, right. So it's unfortunate, but like honestly, I mean, if Vontae Davis is injured, we're screwed. I mean, that, that's just I, if I were the Colts, and if you guys are bad this year, I would like trade like the kicker and the punter. I feel like those are the only assets besides luck. <laughs> Pat McAfee is arguably the best punter in football. Yeah. Trade T.Y. Is, Hilton. You could probably get something for T.Y. Hilton. Probably. A lot like a second round pick for T.Y. Hilton. Mm, I don't think you get it. He'd have to really tear the lights out this year to get a second Right. Pick. It's it's pretty a sad state of affairs. Just, Dwayne just Allen, maybe that. you get well, something for. Let's just ask a theoretical question. Yeah. If you traded, what wide receiver do you think would garner a ridiculous package in response? Like Antonio Brown's on the, on the, on the trading block. How much uh, yeah, could they obviously. get for him? How many? How much could you? I mean, you could for sure get a first round for Antonio Brown, and Fine, you'd get sure. something else. You get something else also, but you'd only get one. It's not like yeah. Oh no, know, like, there's no there's no non QB in the NFL. Right, maybe exactly. like JJ Watt. They, I mean, at this point, no. Yeah, there's a, besides a quarterback or like a like JJ Watt or something like that. I don't even. No, I don't. Could you get two ones for JJ Watt? I mean, I guess if you're like the Patriots and you pick twenty eighth for sure. Yeah. No, you could absolutely trade two first round picks. for Yeah, JJ you could Watt. get twenty. Right. Yeah, but there's but there's. I mean, but there's like a, Ten look, people look what the Bears give up for Jay Cutler. Yeah, there's ten people. Well, Cutler's a quarterback, but yeah, there's okay, but ten, Watt's twelve guys valuable. in the league you could do that. For. My, my point is that what wide receiver could get that much more than one first rounder and maybe something else? No, even, even the best that. wide receiver. Antonio Brown wouldn't go for that. Randy, the Vikings traded Randy Moss at his apex, and they got a first round pick, which uh, and Napoleon Kaufman. Right. I mean, there was the other issues with Moss, but. Right. Okay. But it's just an interesting concept. Like, what are, what assets do the Colts have? The only asset they have is Andrew Luck uh, for trading, really. Yeah. But, yeah. Ryan Grigson, baby. The Jaguars roster, which is uh, – the Jaguars website is, like, very distractingly in black, like, the, the background. So it's hard to read anything on their website. I'll get right on that. I'll, I'll call <laughs> IT. Thank you. All right. Who's AJ Can? Oh, this is an easy one. A.J. Cann's a starter on the offensive line. He's a starting right guard for the Jaguars nice. um, out of South Carolina. And um, a big physical brawler of, a, of an offensive lineman. And uh, he's going to he, he's gonna start. And as long as healthy, he'll, he'll, he'll be one of the mainstays on the right side of the offensive line. All right, I should have done Brian Body Calhoun, but you got me. 
<laughs> that one would have had me. All right, for the Titans, uh, who is Mehdi Abdismad? Oh, no idea. I mean, it, defensive yeah. end, because I'm looking at the oh, roster no, right no, now. But cheating, no, no cheating. No cheating. Come on. Yeah, he's an, I, I like how no, I, I like how obscure the Jaguars uh, are to, to most folks outside of Jacksonville that you take an offensive line starter as the obscure I've guy. I've never heard of him. <laughs> Listen, you're lucky I didn't ask you like Tyson Alualu. A former first-round pick yeah. and a regular on the defensive line who played fullback and defensive line. If line. he didn't say seven next to his name, I might have asked him. All right, who's, <laughs> all right for the Titans, who's Philip Supernaw? He's a tight end and, and potentially will actually make the roster this year uh, with the retirement of Craig Stevens unexpectedly this week. He's a fan favorite, actually. Listen, if the fans are wearing Supernaw jerseys, I don't blame them. He's also a, a former name. Texan, by the way. Just throwing that out there. The, he's, according to their website, unless it's misspelled, he's from Uchita, Uchita Baptist. I've never heard of that. O-U-A-C-H-I-T. I've never heard of that school. It's like Wichita, but with an O-U. <laughs> yeah, it's a Christian liberal arts college in Arkansas with a close-knit campus where students thrive academically, spiritually, and personally. And uh, it's known team? as OB- OBU, the, the Tigers. Does it have a football team? Apparently it does. <laughs> it's pronounced Washita, so it's like Wichita. Akiva, put us out of our misery here. What, this, is the best, this is the best part of the podcast. <laughs> All right, Yoni? Yoni, who's Shaquille Rashad? Whew. Can't answer that one. Okay, good. Me neither. <laughs> that, uh, I'd say we've done this segment now, uh, you know, 60 times, and it's never hit once, but let's keep it up. Yeah, and I keep it like, like, what's, 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 like, the worst SNL sketch that they keep going back to? The Californians? Never. I don't understand why no, people pe- like that. Oh, there are people who really like yeah, the I, Californians. I cannot fathom yeah, it. it. I, I hate those it people. It would have to be somebody. What about the talking baby? Like, Beck Bennett as a talking baby? Does that work? <laughs> no, maybe? that's great. I like the talking baby. He's good. Oh. You would. Beck Bennett was on Doughboys this week. Yeah. yeah. You should check that out. Okay. All right, why don't we jump right to the predictions? How about that? All right, so let's jump right in uh, again. At the bottom of this division last year was the Titans. Let's see if the Titans can improve this year. And Cole, I'm going to ask you to pick the Titans' wins and losses. We don't let people pick their own because... Then they get very homerific, and every team, like the league as a whole, ends up 300 games over 500. So we've been doing it this way, uh, where we have your rivals pick your schedule. So, Cole, week one, the Titans are at home to the Minnesota Vikings. Are they going to win that game or lose that game? I'm going to say that's a Vikings win. All right, and then week two, they go at Detroit. Titans lose that one. All right, then they come home to face the Raiders in week three. I think it's a win. Okay, so big win against a team that people think is on the way up. And then yeah. week, week four at Houston on the road against the reigning division Ooh. champs. Let's go loss there. All right, so they drop to one and three, and then they come back, and they're on the road again in Miami. Oh, well, I'm not sold on Miami, but I, uh, I think uh, on the road I'll go loss. Okay, and one and four, they come home to what uh, should usually uh, cure your ales, and that's, of course, the Cleveland Browns. Win. All right, and then two and four, and then a big game at home against the Colts. Loss. Okay, so they dropped two and five, and then as happens every single year, as I'm sure Cole, you know, the Jaguars Titans game is on Thursday night football yep, because uh-huh. they they got to get it out of the way. <laughs> this one is in Tennessee. Uh, are the Titans going to win or are the Jaguars going to win? I'm going to give I'm going to give the Titans the win at home. Okay, so they jumped to three and five, 
and then they get 10 days of rest until they have to go at San Diego, their only other game of the year that's not a 1 p.m. Eastern game. That's at San Diego. Yeah, and traveling out west, always difficult. I'm going to give uh, uh, San Diego the win. Okay, so now they're 3-6. and six. They come home to face the Packers. Loss. Okay, 3-7, and seven, then they go at Andrew Luck and the Colts. Loss. Okay, so 3-8. and eight. Is Mike Malarkey still still the head coach at this point, Jamal? Yeah, I think uh, I think Amy Adams is in love. So AD, Amy Adams Strunk is in love. So that's that's the end of that. All right. So then, uh, the week twelve, they still had their bye. By the way, at Chicago. Oh, that's a it's uh, getting cold. Yeah, I, I, Titans are going to run the football. I'm going to give them a win on the road. Okay, so a win. So going into the bye, they're four and eight. So I guess that means that coming off a win, it's less likely that Malarkey gets the heave ho. Then off the late bye. They have a, a very tough December, I would say, at 4-8 and eight if they want to run the table mm-hmm. and somehow get in competition. It starts in week 14 at home against the Broncos. Loss. All right, then they go at Kansas City the next week. Loss. Then they, come, then they go at Jacksonville the next week. Loss. And then 4-11, and 11, they, see, they end the season at home against Houston. Can they be a spoiler? I'm going to say loss because I think that game's going to matter for Houston. Okay, so 4-12 and 12 for the Titans this year. Jamal, how do you feel about that prediction? <sighs> I think that's probably the floor of what I would pick. Okay. I think so they that, won't be 3-13 and 13 again. No. Yeah, absolutely not. I, I honestly think when you, when you try to establish the run, the way they're going to try to establish it, and DeMarco Murray has something left in the tank. Derrick Henry has looked much more spry than I expected, to be honest. I didn't like the pick at the time. Um, I think they're going to be able to run the ball pretty well, and that really does raise the floor. And, and so I think barring just excessive injuries, I, I think they can win four games. I, I would go a little bit above that, but not too much. I'm not in love with this team. So, Jamal, now we're going to ask you to pick the uh, Colts record this year. So, week one, they start at home against the Lions. I'll take a win. Okay, and then uh, week two, they go at Denver. Loss. Okay, they come home to face San Diego. Ooh, that's an interesting game. I would actually say that they're going to win that one, mainly on account of being at home. Okay, and then they go to play Jacksonville in London. Well, that's a win for the NFL. Um, I, I, I'll say the Colts win that one. Wait, do they not have a bye when they come back from London? Isn't that weird? Doesn't it that can... early in the season? I don't know if it's weird. Oh, I thought they always have a bye when they come back from overseas. All right. Uh, week five, they are at home against the Chicago Bears. I'll give them another win. Oh, so the Colts bounce out to four and one. Yeah, and, uh, which is interesting because I wouldn't say that they're going to have the greatest season, but I like their beginning schedule, apparently. Yeah, it gets much more difficult after that. Uh, they go at Houston in week six on Sunday Night Football. I will say loss. Okay, so they drop to four and two. Then they go at Tennessee to face uh, your boys at home. That's a win. Then they're at home against Kansas City the next week. At this point, I'm going to assume Jamal Charles is injured again, so I'm going to go win for the Colts. Oh wow! So six and two, and then they go at Green Bay before they're by. That's a loss. Okay, so they're six and three, uh, still in much better position than uh, some might have hoped. At home against Tennessee, coming out of the bye. That's a win. The Titans right. can't beat Andrew Luck. Just for the record, if you look back, they they can't beat him. No matter how. How close they get to the end of the game, they, they can't pull it out. All right, so now they're 7-3, and three, but now their schedule gets really, really difficult. It starts uh, on Thanksgiving, three days rest. They have the night game against the Steelers at home. Loss. Okay, and then they go at the Jets on Monday Night Football the next week, so they have a few extra days of rest. I'll go with the win against the Jets. I, I think playing chicken at quarterback hurt that team. 8-4, and four, they come home to face the Texans. Loss. Okay, so that's a, that's a bad loss at home if they want to win this division because the next week they have to go at Minnesota. Yeah, I'll say another loss. Okay, and they dropped to 8-6. and six. Now they have to go at Oakland the next week on Christmas Eve. That's a win. Oh, so a big win in Oakland. You guys don't seem to respect the Raiders very much. And I that don't, puts, no. That puts them at 9-6, and six, and uh, probably uh, at least in the, in the competition still, I would assume, for the division. Uh, week 17 at home against the Jaguars on New Year's. 
Oh, interesting. Uh, let's go with the win. Okay, so a bounce back 10-6 and six season for the Colts. All right, Jake, what do you think about that 10-6 and six prediction for the Colts this year? I'd take it. I'd take 10-6. <laughs> and six. That's what I thought. I, I, I'd be completely satisfied with 10-6. and six. So you're getting, yeah, you're getting more respect uh, from, uh, from your division mates here than uh, you would uh, ask for yourself. Right. Well, that's, I mean, I guess if you've been perennial, perennially losing or even when, you know, since, since the early or since the late 90s, early 2000s, yeah, Indianapolis is that team you're worried about. I'd take 10 and 6. I mean, they have some tough games ahead of them and tough games at the end of the season, but they still play in the AFC South. And, you know, that Broncos game should be a lot easier than, than I would have thought, you know, last year. All right, y- Yoni? Yes? You, uh, I want to hear if you think that the uh, Jaguars are a real threat to your Texans this year. All right. All right, so Yoni, the Jags are going to start at home against the Green Bay Packers, as Cole already mentioned. Loss. Good and then they have off. to go. Then they have to go across the country at San Diego. Loss. Okay. Uh, then they're home to face the Baltimore Ravens. Win. Then they're in the London against the Colts. Right, the London game. Um, yeah. I'll go loss. Okay, so they drop to one and three. They get the early bye, and uh, then they, after the after the way back from London, and then they go to Chicago the next week. Give them a win. All right, so a big win on the road. They're two and three. They come home to face the Raiders. Win. Wow, you guys have the Raiders going 0-4 against uh, what most people consider the worst division of football. Um, and so that gets them back to 500. Then they go at Tennessee on Thursday night, as we said. Win. Oh, and then they go at Kansas City the next week. Loss. Okay, 4-4. Four and four. They come home to face Houston. Come home to face Houston. Win. All right, so they beat you guys. Uh, so they're above 500, and then they go at Detroit. Detroit's a sneaky team. Uh, I'm going to go loss. All right, 5-5, five and, five, and then they go at Buffalo. Loss. All right, so now they drop to five and six, and they have a, a homestand coming up, but it's two tough games. First, they face the Broncos. Loss. And then they face the Vikings. Win. Oh, so a big win against the Vikings to keep their season alive, six and seven, but then they go at Houston the next week. Loss. Okay, so you guys get revenge on them. They drop to six and eight. Still could be in the playoff race for this division, possibly, but uh, come home a must win against Tennessee. Win. And then seven and eight, trying to hit 500 for the first time in, in oh so long. They go at Indianapolis. No, that's a must win for probably end day, so loss. Okay, so you have the Jaguars improving, but uh, going seven and nine. And, and Cole, you think that that's uh, somewhat reasonable? Yeah, that's about that's about where I have them. Uh, I I think seven and nine, maybe eight and eight, uh, is probably about uh, the right trajectory for this group. Okay, now we're going to bring in a special guest to uh, pick the Houston Texans wins and losses. It is Jonas Sobin, who hosted our uh, fantasy football draft this evening, as I mentioned at the top of the episode. We just had our draft, and uh, I'm still here in Jonas' house recording a podcast. So we are going to ignore uh, Jake, our Colts fan, for a second and let Jonas step in and predict for the Texans. How does that sound? What's up, guys? All right, Jonas. So let's get cozy. <laughs> All What's right. up, guys? Okay, so week one, the... Let me just move my <laughs> Week one, the Texans are at home against the Bears. Uh, yeah, I, I would say 1-0 for the Texans. All right, and then uh, week two, they're at home against the Chiefs. A little tougher. Yeah, that's a loss. Drop them 500. All right, then they go at New England and Jimmy Garoppolo on Thursday night. That's a loss. All right, and they come home to face the Titans. Even the record, 2-2. Two two. All right, 2-2, two two, then they go at Minnesota in week five. It's a loss. 2-3, two and three, then they come home to face the Colts on Sunday night football. It's going to be a tough game. It's going to be a big game. I'm going to say that's a loss. All right, so they dropped a 2-4, and four, losing at home. And now it gets tougher because they have to go uh, at Denver the next week on Monday Night Football. I'm going to give that one to them. Are they going to win on the road at Denver? Yeah, they're going to win on the road against Oh, Denver. big win. So 3-4. and four. Uh, Brock Osweiler gets his revenge. He's going to be booed hardcore at that game. Yeah, you know what, though? 
I think he's going to be fired up to play in that game. All right, three and four, and then uh, they come back home to face the Lions in their last game before the bye. Yeah, that's a win for them. Okay, so even up again at four and four, uh, they start on the road after the bye. Week 10, they're at Jacksonville. I'm going to take Jacksonville on that one. Okay, so they drop to four and five, and then they go at Oakland on Monday night. I think the Raiders are on the, are on the come. You know, I, think, I don't think that's going to be an easy game for them. All right, yeah, our, AF, our AFC South guys don't respect the Raiders, but our, our guest does. So, uh, so that's I mean, another you got, loss. You got to respect the Raiders. Yep. All right, so that's another loss. Now they drop to four and six, and uh, a must-win at home against San Diego in Week Twelve. I say they lose that game. You know, oh, again, again, those are back-to-back back games against tough opponents. You know, I just, I just don't think Houston's there yet. So, you, and you think San Diego's better this year? I think they're better. I think they had a, a rash of injuries last year that it was very hard for them to compensate from. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, if they can stay healthy, you know. And they're used to playing 16 games on the road anyways because they have no fans at home. So. Correct, correct. correct. <laughs> All right. And they have so, no home field. Advantage. So now Houston's 4-7. and seven. Uh, Things are going off the rails. And they go at Green Bay the next week. <laughs> things are not getting easier for them, are they? All right, Yoni, they dropped to 4-8. and eight. Uh, Does Brock Osweiler still have the job? Yeah, he has to. I mean, he's okay. got to finish this year. Well, he won in Denver, we said, but then it went right. all went downhill from there. Apparently. Um, I just think he used up everything he had for that game. <laughs> yeah, and so then they go at the Colts. Andrew Luck, we thought this would be the game of the division on the line, but at 4-8, and eight, maybe Houston's already out of it. Maybe Houston's out of it. Maybe this is the game that turns around their, around their season. You know, it's not a good division. They can win this division at 8-8. Eight and eight. But are they going to win here on the road in Indy? I, I think that we've shown that Brock Osweiler can win a tough game when, when he's back against the wall. <laughs> You've shown that. He's got, he's right. got certainly enough playoff experience okay. behind him. <laughs> sitting, all right, so 5-8. and eight, They come home to face Jacksonville as they try to keep this uh, late-season miracle run alive. Keep it going. All right, 6-8. and eight. Keep the run alive. Okay, now they're facing the Bengals on uh, Saturday night football, Christmas Eve at home. Last year they went into Cincy and beat a much better yes. Cincy team. Yes, they did. Yeah, what happens this year at home? You know, I think it's going to be a tough game. I think ultimately this is the game that sets them back. I, I think they're going to lose this game and pretty much give up hope for the division. Okay, so they drop to 6-9. and nine, They go at Tennessee. And yeah, I'll give them that game. You okay. know, their record's going to look a, a lot nicer than it was. All right, so 7-9, Yoni. Uh, how would you feel about the uh, Texans going 7-9 and nine this year? Uh, def- definitely disappointed. Uh, I'd be. I, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I would. Well, hold on. You said you thought they could win twelve, so seven seems to be a big disappointment. All right. I mean, I'm a Texan fan, so so I know. Like, I would. I shouldn't be shocked at anything. But uh, seven would surprise me. It wouldn't shock me. Um, I'm I'm expecting uh, nine or ten, really. Assuming like you know, the team as a whole got better. Connie should be there this year, and and offensively, a whole new you know a ton of speed was just added so they, they should be a better team but you know you never know in football got to play the games all right uh, let's jump to our last little segment here um yoni we'll start with you tell us the thing that you hate the most about the 2016 houston texans the player the situation the coach no i don't want to get off on a rant here <laughs> Uh, right now, it's probably going to be the offensive line. We just uh, Nick Martin was just the center, the second round center that all the coaches loved, and was really supposed to just jump in there. Who uh, you know, we lost Ben, the, the Texans lost Ben Jones earlier uh, in this past offseason. So Nick Martin was coming in to replace him. They just lost him for the year. So they're going to have to go with Greg Manns, an, an undrafted rookie, an undrafted guy, um, I believe from last year actually. To start at center, and uh, they lost Brandon Brooks this past offseason. So they, they brought in Jeff Allen, Tony Bergstrom, some solid offensive linemen, but Dwayne Brown's also hurt on the left side, and he's you know, the former Pro Bowler. And Derek Noon seemed to take a step back last year. So their offensive line could be somewhat of an issue this year. Okay, Jake, tell us what's the one thing, the one person you hate the most about this uh, 2016 Colts team? I mean, I guess it all comes down to Grigson. 
probably because I really think that they like, let go Jarrell Freeman, which was terrible. I think that's really going to hurt them down the road. I think Grigson's the worst part of this entire team. <laughs> a truly 180 from that previous conversation. <laughs> yep. All right, uh, Cole, this is a season where you're looking to take a step forward. Who's the guy on this Jaguars team who you curse the most at as you're watching games on Sunday afternoon? Luke Jokel, not even close. Uh, and anybody who's listened to our podcast knows that uh, I've been, you know, I've been rough on him because he's been terrible. He had two good preseason games, the first two games, and then against the Bengals uh, on Sunday night, uh, he was terrible at both guard and at tackle. He just got trucked uh, every time. And um, for a city that knows what good left tackle play looks like, because Tony Baselli played here, he has not. Uh, he's not gotten it done. What about you, Jamal? There's, there's a lot of things to complain about about the Titans, but what's uh, problem numero uno? I was going to say, have I said a positive thing about the Titans yet tonight? Um, no, I would say the thing that's going to drive play- okay, me... Okay, let's, let's flip this around. Who's the player who brings you the most joy as you watch this team? Huh? As they lose most Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be um, either Marcus Mariota, but I'll set that aside because it's not interesting. Tajay Sharp I, I, is the guy who I have the highest hopes for this year. He went in my fantasy football draft today. Did he? What round? <laughs> yeah. Because I think he, he went from being league. like major value to almost overdrafted at this point but yeah well we will see so guys thank you so much for joining us you know this is a really interesting division i did mention at the top that i had the titans 30 in my power ranking so i should mention that houston indy and jacksonville i have 13 14 and 17 respectively so it's a division which you know there's a lot of teams that uh, uh whether whether it only takes eight wins or maybe nine or ten to win up there's a lot of teams who have a chance to do so i think this year so we will uh look forward to seeing uh, what happens in the afc south all right, so Jake, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. You can be found on Twitter at J.E. Lewin, where we get your hot takes, uh, both Colts and otherwise. Thanks, guys. Yoni, once again, uh, you're on Twitter at Yoni Pollock, Y-O-N-I-P-O-L-L-K, and you're the editor of House of Houston, either houseofhouston.com or, again, just um, at House of Houston on Twitter. Cole, you're at Cole Pepper on Twitter. Uh, are you related to Dante? or? Uh, we are not kin. Oh, okay. <laughs> to quote Forrest Gump. Yeah, you are a co-host of the Sam and Cole podcast. Uh, you can search uh, your name, Cole Pepper, blogs uh, on, on iTunes as well. And uh, Jamal, of course, you're at Twitter at Jamalisms, and you are the co-host of the Two Tone Crew podcast, which is the Fish Podcast TitansReport.com. So, guys, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Brad. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.